Honored to be here today. Grateful for every one of you all for welcoming me. I, I definitely feel welcome. Uh, first service felt welcome. Um, and, and just really enjoyed the worship. The worship here is just out, outstanding. And so it's always good to be able to just lift up your hands and praise God again and again, uh, saying hallelujah, the highest praise that we can say. So I thank God for just the worship that really set the atmosphere, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time uh, talking too much, but I do want to do want to clarify something. Uh, my name is Price Wright. There is no is in the middle. And so I like to get that out the way, make sure that's clear, you know, uh, but that's, that name has helped me to make sure I keep a, a stellar reputation and that I honor my word, do my best. And so today I gave my word to my brother, uh, Pastor Jernigan, that I would be here and here I am. And uh, so in Raytown, we've planted a church, New City Church. Uh, it's, it's a great place. So thank God for it. Thank God for our people. And uh, I sacrificed to come here today because I, I believe in the relationship that God connected me on with, with Jernigan. It's intentional. Uh, it's spirit-filled. It's led by God. And so in that relationship, I've met others who I appreciate, my wife and I, and we just thank God for uh, Discover Church. You all are an extended family for us. And so I thank God and I pray for more moments where I can have you there and, and that, you know, God willing, I'll be here again as well. With that said, let's pray. And then I'm going to go into introducing a little bit more of myself, my family, and and I'm going to dive into this word and make sure that you get uh, the heart of the text and the focus that we'll have as I exposit uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, that's the focal point today as we talk about training, the training camp. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for this word that you've given me today. Thank you for the culture that's being established and set by Jernigan and Discover Church, by all the leaders here for the culture they are setting to build kingdom and to make people feel warm and welcome. Thank you for that. Thank you for your son, Lord. Thank you, God, for coming and laying down your life for us as the lamb slain for the sins of the world. Thank you for forgiving all of us of our sins, our trespasses, and we do our best to forgive those who have trespassed against us. We thank you, God, for just directing us to this moment. You have placed us here intentionally in this place to receive the truth of your word. Every one of us here needs your word. So I pray as I speak today that people would look beyond me and they would sense and see and hear your spirit speaking clearly through the text that we have. Help us to gain the concepts and precepts about training camp and what that means for us as believers. Help us to get uh, the understanding and the identity of Jesus and grasp the reality that he was more than just a teacher, more than a great coach, but he is the son of God. Thank you, God, for all that you've done. We, we ask you to just give us clarity. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say, amen. So a little bit about myself. My name is Price Wright. Obviously, I'm the pastor at New City Church, Raytown, but all of those things don't take preeminence over my family. Thank God for our church. It's awesome. But in my priority list, my wife and my children, uh, after my relationship with God, they take priority. And it's not just my wife and my children. I name each and every one of them. So my wife, Erica, A-R-R-I-C-A, she's not here today. Our baby, I think he's teething a little bit. So he had a little fever yesterday. So we said, well, let's leave him, stay home and, and take care of him. And so they're at home. But my wife, uh, she does a great job gardening and she is taking care of our backyard and she's blossomed some crazy, incredible things in the backyard. Uh, some of you all may follow her on Instagram or maybe not, but she's doing, I'm just a shameless plug to her gardening. She's doing an incredible job of building, of building that, but I love my wife and I thank God for my wife and her garden gives me many sermon topics to be able to explore as I look and see her putting in the work to growing and building the garden, the good soil that she has that she tills. And so I won't go into that now, but I thank God for her. But then my five children are Price, Princeton, Praxton, Presley, and Prone. And so uh, we have no girls, 
No, no baby girls, and we're done. And so uh, we're going to have daughter-in-laws one day, or maybe God may invite us into uh, other things. But as of right now, we have come to the end of the, the baby-making journey, and we're excited to raise these boys up and to enjoy uh, the fruits of our labor, literally. And so God is good. Uh, with that said, I'm also a uh, church planner. As Jernigan referenced, I, I planted the church five years ago, four years ago. And it's, been, it's, it's healthy. It's growing. It's thriving. God is sending uh, young guys who come to plant, uh, and not just young, but older guys who have the heart to want to plant churches. And so I also work with the North American Missions Board as a church planting catalyst. And I, I really enjoy doing what I do with the North American Missions Board. And I've actually met Jernigan through some of the things that we do with Sin Network. Uh, and when we met, I met him and I was like, man, this guy, man, he's just, you know, he's a cool, cool guy, good looking guy, you know, seems to have it all together and people got nothing but good things to say about him I bet he's a jerk I was so wrong so wrong and that's why we don't judge but book by his cover when we finally got a chance to go and have uh, lunch and we sat down together man just blew my mind how much we had in common our backgrounds being super similar and just like I, I found a brother and this happened during a time where there was a lot of turmoil in our country and we didn't take pictures together we didn't go out and hey let's have a photo shoot we really wanted to identify some things that we together could do to stand in unity as brothers in the faith who are seeking to expand the kingdom of God so I'm grateful for you I thank God for you and for your leadership and I just want us to take a time to honor the pastor of this church if we would just give a little honor uh, of God if you clap your hands for pastor he didn't ask me to do that I'm sure he's blushing in some ways, uh, but I say it's, it's important for us to, to honor the leaders that God has placed, uh, put in place as we seek to honor uh, the call that God has for us to do his will um, to, in raising and training disciples and planting churches and expanding the kingdom of God. And so along with that, in the mind of training camp, I'm a, I'm a baseball coach and I'm the vice president of the Raytown Baseball Association. I did that intentionally so I could get into a domain where I could uh, help encourage people through relationships to come to Christ, hopefully, and also plant seeds of just relationship. I mean, I believe it starts with relationship. It's important. It's not to manipulate people, but it's to really get to know people. And if you feel you have the good news of God, you should be doing all you can to interact with others who may not know the truth of God and the fact that he came into this world to lay down his life for you and me. And so every one of us has a chance to step intentionally into things that may not be ultra comfortable. And I can tell you, coaching babies with t-ball is not comfortable. It's not always fun. And so I have two of my boys that are playing t-ball right now. And it's been an incredible experience training them and preparing them to one day hopefully be great. And so I think the picture, oh yeah, there's my family right there. So you see my family right there and we thank God for, for them. With that said, let's go to the scripture, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. That's enough about me. Let's get into the Word of God. To me, the Word of God is of premier importance. It's my ultimate source of authority. Everything that I teach and I talk comes from the Word of God. I would not be on this stage doing what I'm doing if I was not proclaiming the gospel and the good news of Jesus. I could be here just talking about inspirational, motivational, encouraging stuff, right? I, I could do that. But in order to preach, we have to proclaim what the Lord Jesus has done. And so today, I hope you hear clearly the fact that Jesus is the Son of God who came down and gave his life for the sins of the world. And without his sacrifice, all of us would be doomed. But God made a way in sending his Son that if you just confess with your mouth and believe with your heart the Lord Jesus, then you shall be saved. And it's as simple as repenting, turning from your wicked ways, confessing the Lord, and believing. And when you do that, you honor the text in John 3, 16. That says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The next part says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world may be saved. 
Here's the issue. The world is already condemned. It's already condemned. You were born into sin. Because you were born into sin. All of us were born into sin. We need the saving grace of our Lord Jesus. So today, through the lens of the college football realm, we're going to talk about Jesus as our head coach, our trainer, our teacher. And though there is no analogy that really uh, uh, pictures our God in the perfect way, because our God is beyond any of our thoughts and any of our recognitions, from Scripture we can see that God has revealed himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you recognize that God has revealed himself this way through his word, through the apostles and the prophets, then you can get a better grasp on who God is and what he's given us to do as we're trained to go forward and make disciples and obey his command and abide in the word. All these things coming from a place of obedience and abiding and consistency. So Philippians 2 says this. If you're there, if you're there with me, I want you to see this and read this so you can read it on screen. So if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. I feel like Jernigan and I are in one mind in honoring the Lord and wanting to walk out faithfully what God has called us to. I feel that many of you all here are in one mind and on one accord as you seek to accomplish the will of God by expanding the kingdom of God through the method of the church, the gathering, and the word of God. I think you all are on one mind and one accord. You're following what the word says. Then it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. This is a very tough passage part. This is a very, very hard passage right here. This takes true intentionality and focus and discipline to not just seek your own interest, not just seek the things that you desire, your own dreams and goals, but to say, God, where are you leading me? How are you directing me to interact? with others who are in the body and those who are not in the body who need to be captured and and, and connected to the Lord Jesus. How are you navigating your life without filling yourself with just your own selfish interest? Then it goes forward to say, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I want to read it from the New Living Translation. I want to read this from the New Living Translation. It says this, it's in verse chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 6. It says, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. I'm not a big, huge fan of the NLT. I really stick with the ESV. I like the HCSV, and I could go on down the line of the versions. But I like how that gives us that clarity that he put away his rights and he stepped out in humility. He stepped down into this world. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you go on down a little bit in verse 14, I believe it says, And, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus The Son of God took on flesh and walked with us, talked with us. So what does this have to do with training camp? What does this have to do with the college organization of football and the analogy that I'm trying to put together? I'm going to make you see here real quickly, but let's finish this. 
who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here, in this passage, you see the Trinity flushed out. You see the participation in the Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity who is at work in our world right now. When Jesus ascended to the Father, he said, if I go, I won't leave you as orphans. I will send my Spirit to be with you, to walk with you. Does anybody in here have the Holy Spirit of God? If you've got the Holy Spirit of God, you've been changed on the inside. Your mind, you've put on the thinking of Christ. You're not perfect, and you're not the reason you're saved. Let's clarify something. You are not the reason that you have salvation. It wasn't your blood that redeemed you. It was the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he went on the cross, as it says in verse 8, he was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. Some of us can't even be obedient to God to the point of not eating a bonbon and, and, and a Snickers. The Holy Spirit is calling us into fasting, and we're like, uh, I gotta have this. We have no discipline. But I want you to hear clearly before I go into some of these things about training camp that your training and your methods is not what saves you. You're only saved by the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know Jernigan is teaching that very faithfully and every teacher on this stage, I know what they're teaching. So I want to remind you and confirm with you that even this 6'3", chromal complected black man from Raytown, I'm preaching that Jesus died and he rose and he's coming again. Will you be ready? That's why training camp is so important. Will you be ready for the day that Jesus returns? There'll be two things said. You'll either say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. What's important for me is that those who come to the gathering every week, you already say, well, I'm a believer. I'm born again. I'm a veteran on this thing. I've been walking with God for a long time. But some of us need that reminder and that shake up and that wake up. And I'm a visitor, so I can say this. Some of us are going to stand before God, and I pray this is nobody in D.C. I pray this is nobody here. In Discover Church or New City Church, if they're watching online right now, I pray this is not true, but some people will stand before God and God will proclaim this to you. You'll say, Lord, I did works in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did healings in your name. And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. The sobering reality that we can be here thinking we're training, but our heart posture is not committed to God. You know within yourself whether you stand firm in God or whether you don't. I was standing there this morning trying to worship and get in. I felt some distractions. I began to confess immediately, God, I don't like my posture right now. I could care less what people think about me on the stage. I'm nothing special. I'm your servant and your son. And I thank you for this opportunity. But God, I'm faithful to you. And there's something that you want to share with your people. And I rebuke the enemy that wants to block me from sharing clearly. God, I need to worship you now. And so as they begin to sing the songs, I invited that presence and posture that they had into my heart and lifted my hands. God, I need you. Each and every day when you wake up, you have to take the posture of, Lord, I need you. Abiding consistency. God, please, I want to be honest with you. I want to confess to you where I stand so you can direct me and guide me and pull me and help me to be all that you desire for me to be. But you got to have a desire. You have to have a hunger and a want. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled, is what Jesus said. Do you have a hunger for righteousness? 
Some of us have a hunger for things that are unrighteous and ungodly. And so I want us to finish this so I can not miss my time and get to the point. But it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's three sections in here that we see very clearly. We see training and direction in verse 1 through 5. Training and direction. You see it clearly. And remember, that training and direction doesn't save you, but it's what helps you to grow. It helps you get better and to walk by faith. Hebrews 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's important that you walk by faith and not by sight. And so these verses and these passages here invite you into a practice of righteousness that's going to help you to grow in God. As you embrace these truths in the passage, you're going to sense the Spirit of God directing your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and he shall, one or two people know the scripture, and he shall direct your path. Make your path straight. Are you willing, though, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart? What are the two greatest commands that God gave? And I'm going to tie it all together. What are the two greatest commands that God gave? One, love your neighbor as yourself. Number two, love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You have to give it all to God. But have you given it all to the Lord? Have you kind of set a little bit aside for yourself? I need this, this, this over here for me. God says you got to give it all to him. And this is what training is all about. So section verse 1 through 5 is all about training and direction. As Paul and Timothy are writing to the overseers and the elders in Philippi. That is the context. If you go back to verse 1, you see more training, more direction, more guidance, more leading down the paths of righteousness as we follow and practice right living. But then it says in in verse 6 through 8, this is Jesus being revealed as the son of God. The reason I'm here for it today is training. This is week six, right? God, the son, the son of God, the Messiah, the one who came in flesh, who was equal to God, and they murdered and killed him because of his proclamation that he said in the book of John. In the book of John, and I I saved this scripture because I figured I might come to it today. I didn't do it first service, but the Holy Spirit brought it to me now. Somebody needs to hear this. John chapter eight, verses 48 through 59. Jesus is speaking to people. He's talking to teachers of the day, especially and specifically the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And in this moment, as they're arguing with him about whether he's older or younger than Abraham, Jesus is making some direct proclamations and he's giving them all of these words and they're getting upset and frustrated. Like, you can't tell us greater than Abraham. You're not greater than our prophets. And this is what it says a little later. He says in verse 55, But you have not known him, talking of his father, God, Jesus is speaking. He says, you have not known him. He says, uh, Jesus answered, if I glory myself, but you have not known him, I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Verse 57 says this. So the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old yet. You are not 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And at that word, at that sentiment, at that statement there, they understood. The Jews of that day in that context understood clearly what Jesus was saying. He equaled himself to God. They picked up stones to throw at him and to kill him, but it wasn't his time to go. Because remember, Jesus didn't come for somebody to murder him. He came to lay down his life. 
He laid it down. Nobody can harm him. There's multiple times in scripture where they was ready to push Jesus off to the curb. They was ready to get him to the, to the edge. And they was ready to just kill him. And you know what he did? He walked right through him. Now, I'm very interested to see. I would like to see a review when I get to heaven. Lord, can we pull up the review? A replay on screen three. I want to see how you got through all those people that was ready to kill you. Somehow, Jesus just walked through him. It reminds me of when he walked in the room on that great day when he rose. One of my favorite scriptures, which woke me up to the truth of God, to who he was when Thomas sat there in the room. And Thomas told Jesus, he said, I I'm not going to believe unless I see him and touch the holes in his hand and get the piercing in his side. I will not believe. Some of you all have said, I will not believe unless God does something miraculous. And you're here today. And through the words that I'm preaching, as I preach the word of God, not from Christ, God is touching your heart in some way. Jesus walks through the room the same way that he walked through those people trying to kill. I have no clue exactly how it happened, but the apostles were in that room scared and terrified. They were not courageous. They were there because they were called to be there, but they were not there as warriors. They were there as cowards who ran, who were kind of inquisitive on what was going on because they were told that the Savior had risen. Jesus walks in the room and says, handle me. Ghosts don't have flesh and bone as you see that I have. Thomas falls and says, oh, Lord. He begins to call out, Lord. And Jesus says some words that bless me and change me forever. Blessed are those who believe. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Every one of you all who are here worshiping today, a part of the body, part of the family, you're here because you believe. You're here because maybe you're seeking and you don't know God yet. Somebody brought you, somebody pulled you. But as I'm speaking clearly to you, you're saying, man, there's something in these words. There's something in the presence that's pulling in my heart. I want you to know now that is the Holy Spirit of God that's drawing you. And if God draws and you draw near to him, you're going to experience the peace of God. But if he draws you and you reject him and you reject him unto death, that is the ultimate sin there. God is calling you and as long as you're alive and you've got the breath of life. Man, you can repent and live and be free. Jesus, we're in an age of grace. But man, don't reject the good news of the Son of God who came to give his life for the sins of the world. Here at D.C., I've heard that you got veterans. You got people who come from other churches that transferred over here, right? You got some that have, and not in a negative way. Don't hear me say negative. You transferred because God led you in this season. You felt that you needed to be here. You heard Journey just teaching one time, and God says, I need you to go over there. You heard the, the worship, and he's like, man, I, I need to be there. There's something for my spirit. Or you just walk through the doors one day. Whatever the reason, you're here now, part of this gathering. And then there are new believers who are the, the rookies on the, if you're looking at football analogy, the rookies, the new people that just came to God who are learning and growing and you're getting connected to the groups and things like that. No matter which role you play, training camp is very important for all of us. It's at the training camp that we learn from the coaches. And remember, we equating Jesus in this moment to a teacher, coach, even though there is no equation or analogy that can really encompass all of our God. We want to say, in this scenario, if Jesus is the coach, the one who came down with us, who got on the field with us in life and experienced life the way we experience, he gives us the greatest response to how we should live. He gave us the greatest example for how we should live. The Son of God has given you the greatest example for not only how you should live, but how you should respond to those who love you, like you, and hate you. God says, uh, uh, pray for those who uh, persecute you and despitefully, despitefully use you and call, cause all manner of evil against you. That's a tough thing. To pray for your enemies, to bless those who persecute you. I say, man, what kind of stuff is that? But Jesus shows us the reality of it through his life. And in those responses is the power of God. And so training camp is where you learn all of these things in verse one through five, your responses, 
the way you're supposed to live, the way you're supposed to love. Verse one through five is where you learn how to navigate and live out your life as a believer in God's kingdom, as a believer in the family of God. Training camp is where you learn the game plan. My eldest son, who is 15 years old, he'll be 16 in October, he plays football. Last year, he did an incredible job, his first year playing tackle, really great job. And I told him this statement, I said, listen, Price, the coach is human. You have to not only show up to practice like you're supposed to, but when you're there, you have to learn the plays. You have to open the playbook and read it. Because the coach is human, if you, if you ignore his plays, you're going to find yourself on the bench. You're not going to get a lot of opportunity. I don't care how talented you are. If the coach can't trust you to do what he's called you to do, then you're going to find yourself not getting the opportunities that you think you deserve. With God, in a sense, there's some of same significance in that, though he is human and he's God, Jesus doesn't have those same responses that we have as humans. But listen, he's given you his word. If you don't obey, you will miss the promises of God. So many of you all are missing the promises of God because you won't obey the word of God. You've missed out on moments where God wanted to bless your life, bless your family, bless your household. He wanted to bless you on the inside out, but you missed the moment because you ignored the playbook that God laid out. You missed the moment because, now you may still be a believer and you might be diving through the house as if it's coming down on fire, but you still confess Jesus, right? You're still a believer. I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm saying you're on the team, but you're weak and you're missing blessings. The blessings of obedience, not money and cars. That's not what I'm talking about necessarily, though I thank God for when he blesses me and my family. I'm telling you, if you're walking with God, there should be a blessing of obedience. The peace and the joy, the love, the comfort of, of God being in your heart. As it says in Isaiah 26 and 3, those that keep their minds on the Lord will have perfect peace. That's a promise, not a probability. God promises to give perfect peace to those who keep their minds stayed on him. The Holy Spirit will empower you, but you got to train and get the game plan so you can grow and you can be blessed by the Lord. You'll be blessed as you're walking with him. Psalms chapter 1 specifically calls it out. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The first word is blessed. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in a season. His leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever you do will prosper. That's what the Bible says. That's a promise, not a probability. God has promised you to bless your life, especially from the inside out. The temporal blessings are cool, man. It's the eternal blessings that Jesus came to speak significance in. As the coach, he came to give us the heads up that, hey, I want you to sense these temporal things, I'm going to do these things. There, I, I have all power to do all things. I have control over everything. As the coach, he's the greatest coach in the sense that he has control over all things. But he wanted to give us the importance of the permanent healing that happens in the heart. Some of us need to be reminded that it's not just those temporary things you've got that's, that's a blessing. It's the blessing of what God is doing deep on the inside of your soul that nobody can touch and see except for you and the Lord. When you look throughout all of scripture, God is concerned with the matters of the heart. The matters of the heart. And so it says, some of us will never be blessed the way God intends because we will not embrace God's game plan. We will not be obedient. We will not abide in the word. And the only way you're going to grow is to abide in the word and to obey what God has commanded. He says in the book of John, that if you love me, if you love me and keep my commands, I'll come and make my residence with you. That's what God says. That's a promise that he will come and be with you. He cleans out everything else. 
He becomes the strong man inside of you. But are you willing to trust in the Lord with all your heart? Champions don't become champions by happenstance. They don't just trip into being a champion. It takes work, and that's where training camp comes in. I want to give you a few of my favorite coaches. Number one would be the Chiefs coach, Andy Reid, Big Kool-Aid. Andy Reid. Thank God for the Chiefs winning that Super Bowl this year. Great coach. The second coach that I really admire and really I love him, I can't tell you much about football. I think he did great when he was playing football, but I'm not the biggest fan. I'm a fan, but not the biggest fan. Uh, um, and his, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy. I like Tony Dungy because he is, I read his book. When I read his book, man, he was proclaiming the Lord Jesus throughout the whole book. Through his trials, his situations, his tribulations, he was just proclaiming the Lord. And I was like, man, I love this. This guy has reached this high acumen of life. He's, he's done these incredible things. He's accomplished financially what people dream of. He's, he's done all these great things. But man, this guy sees the importance and the significance of Jesus. And so I enjoyed listening to Tony Dungy. But there's a recent example right here in Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs, where Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart, and I know we have, I think, Arkansas fans here, I think it's Arkansas fans, so forgive me for not knowing, but Alabama, uh, Georgia's coach, Kirby Smart, was a coach that was a player's type coach. He played the game with the Indianapolis Colts. He was a defensive back. He was on the field with everybody, and I want you to hear me. I know some of y'all could care less about football. The message is not all about football. You have to see the transferable principles in the sermon. Whether you're at work and you're a CEO or executive, you're working for somebody, there are, you want to have somebody that knows how to lead the team who's experienced what you've experienced. All of us know how we feel when somebody's leading us who has never done what we're doing. So it's hard for them to have the feelings that we have if they've never done what we're doing in our position. And there are leaders who are in a position that they didn't have the experience and they're doing a great job and they studied and read and did great things. And that's wonderful. But man, a lot of times some of the best coaches are those who actually have the experience doing what, what they're doing and it brings them to a higher respect level with the players. When I think of this, I think of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. Jesus, it's a, it's a great connection to him coming down, being with us. It's not, not only a coach that just came down and did all these great teachings, but he came down and lived with us and had the experience with us. Jesus could have came down and been a prince or a king or something like that. He came down, though he is the king, he came down and took a very lowly position. And so it says in Hebrews chapter 4, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Jesus understands what you're going through. He understands the pains that you feel, the struggles that you have, the messes that you've made, the mud puddles you've stepped in. Jesus knows all of those things. He says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. This beautiful uh, statement here gives us the reminder that Jesus was perfect. And though they crucified him, they put him up on the cross. Jesus had no sin. He could stand in that place for us and die. He is the coach who not only had the statements to say and taught with authority, but he actually lived what he taught. And so a good coach does these things here. The co a good coach is going to teach us his uh, players about testing trials that are going to come during training camp. During training camp, he's getting them prepared. During training camp over the last six weeks, you've been getting your hearts prepared for this next season of ministry, this next season of growth that's going to be happening. Jesus does the same thing to help us in James chapter 1 uh, by letting us know that count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and tribulations. Knowing those tribulations, they work patience in your life. God is helping us through tests and trials to grow spiritually. 
to become more mature spiritually. The tests and trials are not meant to break you and crush you. They're meant to help you to grow in the Lord. If you're facing trials in your life right now, God wants you to grow. And so you embrace those trials with a heart of joy, knowing that God is doing something important in your life. Strategy. God's going to give us strategy as we navigate walking with him faithfully. And our strategy comes as we pray and as we worship, as we trust in the Lord, as we devote ourselves to reading of the word. Remember, these things don't save you, but these are the practices that we begin to do as we work from a place of salvation. Now we're saved. We thank God we're working from this place of salvation in the Lord. And so trials and tests. A good coach gets you prepared for those. Strategy, he gives you strategy to navigate during the game. Conditioning, a coach that's been out there on the field knows what it takes to run the amount of time you're going to have to run, and he's going to give you strategy to be able to last the entire time. The mentality, he wants to give you a mind that's right, and then he wants to get you for the, ready for the great day, the day that kickoff happens. For the Chiefs, our hometown team, we know the kickoff is going to be happening real soon and everybody's excited to see Patrick Mahomes and all the boys go to work again. And if you say, hey, I'm not a football fan, for you, in this season in church, we call this the ministry season that we're going into. School is about to start. It's a new season, fall, that comes where the weather changes in Kansas City. It's a new moment for us to step forward with intentionality. And so the challenge for you over the next few weeks is to really embrace the call of training. Embrace the call of what God is calling us towards. It says this in the final one, God wants to build teamwork with us. Every one of you all here are part of the body. Training campus so you can also build teamwork and camaraderie. In the first service, I talked about how Patrick Mahomes has a line of people in front of him that are protecting him from getting hurt. If you're at home and you got a fence in your backyard and you have a dog that barks and you know it can get out, you put a fence there to protect the people that's walking down the street to keep your dog in the boundary. Uh, some of y'all, whatever the case is, you understand, you have your home and your door to protect you from somebody coming in just taking your things. In this case, the line is there to protect Patrick Mahomes so he can do what he needs to do. And God wants us to build the teamwork so we can do those things well. We can protect each other with prayer. We can uh, think about each other when we have burdens. We can confess our faults one to another wisely. We can challenge our preachers. We can challenge ourselves through the word in groups. We can do all these things as we build teamwork together in the body of the church. And then finally, in training, you also get the plan executed. Here's the plan. Here's what we're doing this year. This is what we want to accomplish this year. And usually, when you're on a college team, a professional team, the goal is to accomplish the championship. I put Kirby Smart up there because he, they just won the championship this year, the Georgia Bulldogs. They accomplished the great mission of working through training camp and accomplishing the big goal that everybody has. Jesus had that on-field experience to come down and teach us the truth of what we needed. And because we have Jesus who shows us all things that we need to know, we can walk forward with power and with clarity. So go back with me to Philippians chapter 2. So I'm getting ready to land the plane on this today. I think you got the point. We come for training so we can grow. We come to training so our hearts can be filled and we can pursue God more and more every day. We come to training so we can get filled with the Holy Spirit even more to go after the things that God has called us to go after. If you're here intentionally and you're listening to what's being said today and the Holy Spirit has moved on your heart, then you know what the next steps is. You know what the next steps are. But if you're here, you say, I don't really know the next steps. The church is here to embrace you and to help guide you to where you need to be. God did not call us to be lone rangers. 
Though there are situations where you may find yourself isolated. If you're in prison or jail, I've read a book by Esther Ahn Kim, who's in North Korea. She was isolated and thrown into a prison. She was there. God placed her in that situation. And she blessed the prison when they let her out of isolation. But God didn't call us to, to run towards isolation. God called us to be together. He commanded us to gather together. And so here in Philippians 2, we get the reminder of those sections that I talked about in the beginning. And how Jesus, the coach, the great teacher, has laid out to us clearly what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, right? So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you've found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.